Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, before we start the show today, I just want to say something. Um, I just want to say I'm sorry that Strangers hasn't really been getting episodes out more frequently. Full disclosure... I've just been pretty depressed the past few months. So 2020 was like obviously a nightmare in so many ways, but now that things have sort of gone back to normal, I feel like everything we've dealt with over the past year has just really caught up with me emotionally, and I just feel kind of exhausted. On top of that, there have been some personal losses over the past year uh, that I've had to deal with. And I'm working more actually right now than I ever have worked just to be able to support myself. And so there's this just kind of bad combination of stuff compounding to make my life miserable. (laughs) Um, That said, I am feeling a lot better and I am seeking help. This podcast and the community that it's fostered has been amazing. And when I'm in a good frame of mind, this is my number one priority because I love doing it. It is also the case that I have some really good stories that I'm following up on and working on right now. I've just hit this kind of roadblock over the past two months, and I'm kind of finally getting back the steam to work again. I just want to thank you so much for your patience, and I'm just asking for a little bit more patience while I get some of these exciting pieces done. For all my Patreon supporters, at the end of this month, at the end of June, I'm going to host a little online gathering where you can ask questions and get an exclusive look at some of the content, some of the stuff that's going to be coming up. So stay tuned for that. I'll be reaching out with more information. If you're not a supporter on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash strangers in China to support the show. So the next big shows for strangers will be out soon enough and... The next big one that I really want to do is about the drag community here in Shanghai. We're also going to do like a big and in-depth look at anti-Asian racism in the United States. So stay tuned for that. Today, though, I just have a small story of personal success here in Shanghai. But what's really cool about this episode is it's the first episode of Strangers in China where the entire interview was done in Chinese. So I hope you enjoy it. I 
叫我叫小小。小小。对。Hi, I'm called Xiao Xiao. Obviously, that's not my real name, but that's what my friends and everyone calls me. 这个名字在就是大小就是在中文里面。Because in Chinese, this name is like humble, as an insignificant feel. I think it suits me, so I gave myself this name. 很适合我，我自己这样认为，所以就自己给自己取了这个名字，叫小小。小小 runs the store called Xiao Xiao 的画世界。Or Xiao Xiao's Flower World. The Flower World is more than just a vintage store. Like a garden, it's its own cultivated little atmosphere. Xiao Xiao really likes my Chinese name. 对你，我很喜欢你的名字。I really like your name, Tutu. It's really interesting. 有趣儿，那个名字图图。意思我以为就是图图也是跟我。I thought this name was like mine, pretty easy to remember, and on another level, it's got a feel of a name of someone who's not so big, like. 这个名字又不太搭那种感觉。My Chinese name is Tutu, which just is literally like, I don't know, like mud, mud, or earth, earth, or soil, soil. I just thought it was cute because my name is Clay, right? And the best thing about my name in Chinese is that, like, literally everyone in China thinks my name is so cute, which I love. We didn't just connect on my name, though. See, the thing is, we are both in an Aquarius Scorpio relationship. You're you're an Aquarius. I really like Aquariuses. Because my Mister is an Aquarius. I'm a Scorpio, right? Oh, really? My wife's a Scorpio too. I think Scorpios and Aquariuses go together really well. That's funny because I heard otherwise. I read some astrology book that said that Scorpios and Aquariuses should like avoid each other at all costs. But anyway, we make it work. So I bustled into Xiao Xiao's shop on a cold February afternoon. Actually, it was like a week before my birthday because I'm an Aquarius. I was wearing like my ugly kind of beat up LL Bean parka, but as the owner of Shanghai's hippest vintage store, she looked really cool in a very nonchalant way. On the inside here, I'm wearing a vintage shirt. Then on the outside, this is my friend's brand. On the back is a pattern that she made. It looks really nice. Some people think like vintage stuff is like too old fashioned. But I hope that vintage clothes and new clothes can go together nicely. That's my concept for clothes. Is I want to transmit a But alas, I didn't come to talk to her about her star signs or about her outfit specifically. I came here to talk about her shop, which is full disclosure my favorite shop in Shanghai. I'll try to describe it, but I'm sure I won't do it justice. So her shop. Xiao Xiao's Flower World may be in the heart of Shanghai's poshest neighborhood on Julu Road, but it's often like a back alley, and therefore it feels like this sort of well-kept secret. It's this tiny old converted home. When you walk in, you're greeted with this bouncy Japanese pop from decades past, and you know there's that like kind of pleasantly dusty smell of old clothes. There's this room in the front where the walls are just kind of decked out with this wild mix of decorations, dolls and monsters, toys and old posters. And nine times out of ten, when you go in there, there are these aspiring influencers having a photo shoot. In the main showroom, the walls are covered 
with posters from monster movies. The shelves are home to hundreds of little monster figurines from Japanese and American franchises. And then, of course, the shop is brimming over with beautiful, colorful clothing. Every time I've been in the shop, there are these devastatingly cool young people in there trying on clothes. But the coolest people in the shop are the women that run the store. I'm convinced that Xiao Xiao has cherry-picked the coolest kids in Shanghai to run her shop. That being said, even though it's so cool, the atmosphere is like very welcoming. It's not intimidating at all. The aesthetic of the clothing is cute, it's colorful, it's eclectic. It harkens back to warm childhood memories. Sure, there's this softness there, but it's also quite punky in like a twee sort of way. They have like a wild mix of clothing. There's sort of like mid-century American frocks. There's cowboy shirts. There's Japanese members-only jackets. And then there's even like some really nice designer stuff, like Burberry bags and stuff. It's curated in a way so that you'll never see someone out there with the same top as you or the same accessories. That said, whenever I go to places that like cool, young, hip people will hang out, I always see clothes from Xiao Xiao's store in the mix. Now, some jaded or super hip listeners might hear this and think, well, that sounds like any half-decent New York or Tokyo vintage shop. But at the center of this place is Xiao Xiao. It's her particular sensibility, her artistry, that made this shop into something really beautiful and particular. Let me be 100% clear. Xiao Xiao is a talented and wily business person. She certainly cares about making money and success. But the flower world has something that is really lacking in trendy neighborhoods in this huge city. It's got soul. So many places around town really reflect a brutal consumerist cynicism that pervades Shanghai's retail market. But Xiao Xiao and her genuine innocent love of cute monsters, her deep understanding of secondhand fashion, have rendered a cloistered little paradise in a back alley on Julu Road. On a cold February day, I interviewed her in her recently opened second shop. I wanted to talk about her success in pumping some color back into the heart of a cold city. Even though the flower world is run by Xiao Xiao and her husband, its presentation, that's all Xiao Xiao's subjectivity. She's really shaped this place. So I think it's important to understand her fashion sensibility. In the beginning, like in college, I would wear stuff that I see in the magazine. But then I would wear some really disorderly outfits, like totally no set ideas. Some people might say, oh, I'm going to wear some red pants, so I better not wear green or blue top because that clashes too much. But you shouldn't think too much. Wear red pants and a green top. There's nothing you can't do. If you're comfortable, that's fine. You've said this twice now that you say you that your clothes are like disorderly. I don't get the sense of like disorder in your outfit. <laughs> this disorder I'm talking about. It's like what other people think. Like, look at that person, they wear such crazy stuff. But for myself, 
and making little calculations, like what socks go with these shoes. Other people might not care about this stuff, but I do. Like today, I may not have washed my hair, but I found a hat that really goes with my outfit and my mood, with today's feeling. I didn't just reach into my closet and grab whatever, but maybe others might think that I just wear some random stuff. The style of the store is because I really love Japanese culture, because I studied drawing as my bachelor's. In college, I really loved anime. In college, I found out about like 80s and 90s Tokyo street styles. So in the beginning, it was just like I wanted to imitate that. I wanted to buy their clothes to wear. In that time, I would buy old magazines and see all the vintage stuff. And I didn't really understand why they were wearing this secondhand clothing. Then I read more and found some resources online and I came to understand secondhand clothing and I really liked it. I'm from Heilongjiang. I'm a northerner. I'm not Shanghainese. My husband is. Xiaoxiao's not a local. She's from the far north in China. And there are definitely some cultural differences between her and her husband, who's from Shanghai. Like with him, like we are speaking Mandarin right now, but like some of the connotations are really different. Like I say one thing and I really just mean A, but as a Shanghaier, he thinks it means C. Then I have to spend a lot of time to explain, I didn't mean to sound angry. This is just an exclamation from where I'm from. It really doesn't mean I'm angry. In any languages, there are lots of little differences. But as far as eating, it's fine, because he's a lot more like a northerner. Even though he's from Shanghai, he likes our heavy flavors. Xiao Xiao had some reservations initially when she came to move to Shanghai. Because I think for someone as friendly and like open-hearted as Xiao Xiao, Shanghai can come off as a cold place. I really didn't have a great impression of Shanghai when I moved here. Because when I was in college, I came to Shanghai a few times. And I thought people are too busy and they're overly self-involved. Like, you get the feeling maybe they don't care about the feelings of the people around them. Maybe back then, I had a very one-sided understanding of the city. I thought Shanghai people looked at outsiders as not belonging in this city. Like, oh, you guys are outsiders. Only we are real Shanghai people. Her perceptions of Shanghai have gradually changed. Because the thing is, Xiao Xiao wants to do something different. I slowly realized that this was prejudiced. Actually, I think Shanghai is really tolerant. It can tolerate people who are different. Like, you can see two men on the street holding hands, and people wouldn't think this is weird. If we were in where I'm from, even in the capital city of a province, if two guys walked holding hands or were too close, everyone will think it's weird. But in Shanghai, in most places, especially among young people, the level of acceptance is high and it's really tolerant. Also, like, doing any kind of job is all okay. Like, many in my circle are artists. They don't go to work. Maybe they stay at home and paint or create. And people around them won't say, how come you're not working? Or how come you haven't bought a house yet? Or how are you not married yet? No one will say that. 
But if you go to a third or a fourth tier city, people around you will be in your ear every day fussing. How can you live like this? What will you do when you're old? So I can say that I like Shanghai more and more. Everything you hear from people is, if you think it's okay to do, then you should just do it. Don't think too much about what others think. In other cities, you'll get a lot more flack from other people. For instance, if I try to open this shop in a small city because I used to like work in a big company, working as a designer, they would say, "You had a job, so much stability. Why wouldn't you work?" But they aren't like that in Shanghai. Opening the shop was really an unnecessary risk for her and her husband. Before they opened the shop, they were working for tech companies. Xiao Xiao was a graphic designer, and she was doing really well. In China, there are just a lot of cultural pressures, not to take a big risk career-wise. It's better just to keep that steady job rather than pursuing your passions. But she gave that up to pursue her passion for clothing. When I started, I had an online store. Even now, I still have one. It's always been part vintage clothing and part clothing we designed, like this stuff. The stuff with our label. It's the stuff we make ourselves. And then there's the vintage stuff. I don't like a store that's all vintage or all one label. I also don't like putting the vintage over here and our label over there. I put them all like mixed together. Then you get people who can't help but say, "Oh man, this clothing's really nice." Oh wow, it's made by you guys. That reaction is really nice. The store isn't all vintage, as she says here. Xiao Xiao has her own label. I copped a shirt of hers that has Spider-Man like patterns all over it, and it's honestly the coolest shirt that I own. Now the clothing is the clothing, but the store is so much about its atmosphere as well. I asked her about how she thinks about decorating these places. I won't just randomly go on Taobao and buy stuff. There's all stuff that I, you know, like like there is the packaging from the toys stuck up on the wall. These are toys that I really like, and things that I've slowly collected and I've used to decorate the store. I didn't just naively go and buy stuff to decorate for the sake of decorating. This stuff gives me a lot of joy. For instance, that mirror. I just finished doing this. I used the clay that the kids play with, and then put it all on the frame. And when I was done, I thought it looked super cute, and it put me in such a good mood. Here, you can try. The feeling is like the outside is hard, but the inside is soft.、Um, I finished it, and I thought it was great. I didn't really think about how I wanted it to turn out. When I was doing it, I didn't have an idea of how it should look. I just knew it was good when I finished it. My shop is like this too. When I think of something, I just try sticking things up to the wall or drawing something here or there. She's this free spirit. She follows her passion, and it's truly what makes this store amazing. But she's also a really shrewd businesswoman and a really excellent marketer. Like when you buy something, she gives you a tote bag that are covered with the signature monsters of Xiao Xiao Store. She also gives out all these stickers, but it's that free-spirited decoration that serves the most important part of the marketing strategy. The entire shop is set up so that cool kids can come and take their pictures inside. 对，所以我们是没有就是说就是说禁止拍照或者怎么样，就是 We don't prohibit anyone from taking pictures. 
I know some people come in just to take pictures, but that's fine. Our store has just one rule. As long as your picture taking isn't bothering other people, it's all fine. If you come just to take pictures, that's great. It shows that they like the way I've decorated the space, and that's great. Also, on another level, they take this picture and leave. When other people will see it, they'll think, wow, this store looks really cute. I want to go check it out. So this stuff is all secondhand, but, you know, it's, quote, vintage, which is code for expensive used clothing. I do not mean to disparage. I love the stuff. And I see all the work that goes into making the store the way it is. But the truth is, it's expensive, which leads me to who exactly is buying her stuff? Well, it's rich kids who can afford an $100 cowboy shirt. But I wanted to know why. Why secondhand stuff? In China, the cohort of young people that are like hip and have the money have traditionally opted for showing off with designer clothing, not like your auntie's old Tweety Bird sweatshirt. So what is the appeal of vintage stuff? And why has Xiao Xiao come to love it so much? I think the deeper reason is that clothing these days is not attractive. There's way too much fast fashion like H&M and whatever. And within China, we have something called UR, it's the same type of thing, but it's a Chinese brand. All the clothing they come out with, like, looks all the same. For instance, for a certain series, there is, like, a denim craze. Every store has the same colour of jeans, the same kind of denim jacket. Then everyone maybe goes to buy. They buy a few things, and then people on the street, they all look the same. I don't like this kind of clothing. Even when I was back in high school, I felt the same way. I think this kind of clothing very quickly falls out of fashion. Maybe this season it's all about denim, but after a year it's all old looking. Then you see this clothing in your closet and you think, ugh, what a waste. The secondhand clothing you can wear for such a long time. You don't have to think too much about it. If you like it, that's all that matters. Maybe sometimes you'll see some vintage clothing and think, wow, that's really fashionable. But I also think, in practicality, secondhand clothing is just better quality. So often when I go to Japan, I see young people wearing brands from the 80s or even earlier. They can wear this stuff for a long time, and they go together with all this other stuff. They also express your personality more. Who wants to wear the fast fashion stuff where everyone looks exactly the same, like they came out of a factory assembly line? market is demanding uniqueness, real uniqueness. You want to look boldly different from those around you. Xiao Xiao's success rides on these young people who have embraced this principle in a way that was unthinkable even 10 years ago. In China, the people born after 1995 or after 2000, their mentality is more individualized and more ahead of its time. Maybe they don't care as much about other people's feelings. What they think is what they think. They're braver in expressing their own attitudes. They're a bit of a different breed. When we were that age, in high school, 16 or 17, we were more timid. And like, if I dress like this, the teacher will say something or like go and find the principal. And then they would police everyone's clothing choices. You weren't allowed to change your hair 
Back then, principals were stricter. You weren't allowed to wear this or that. You know, teachers would say so, and so would your parents. But these days, I can't say all kids, but some kids don't really care. So when you're walking in the street and you'll see all kinds of outfits, sexier outfits, cute outfits, whether they're really young or really old. But if you go back 10 years even to when I was in high school or college, you would see clothes that more conform to the norm. The measure of success, a lot of people think, is, oh, your shop has a lot of recognition. Lots of people come and see it, and it's like the influencer economy. So if influencers come to buy things, or some famous people come, maybe this is a measure of success. But I really don't have this sense of ambition. Like, I don't feel like I have to make this into a big shop, because my original intention is that I hope to share things that I like, the kind of space that I like. I think if you go into setting up a shop like this from the beginning without ideas of making it a really popular place, you have a better outcome. If you come at this from the start saying, I'm going to make a super popular store with a big reputation in Shanghai, you put way too much pressure on it. One thing she has to worry about is what if vintage stuff is just a phase? What does that mean for her business? I really don't think I'll give in to the pressure from others to change my style. Perhaps one day people will think this trend has already passed, but I'll still run this shop according to my own sense of style. Maybe other stores like this will, be, will close and I'll be faced with having to change, but I won't. I'll stick to my own style to keep the store open. She understands what she sells, and she generally likes what she sells. And that's what makes the store feel like such an integrated little environment. Because it feels like in such a cutthroat retail space like Shanghai, where following the trend is like how stores live and die, there just isn't a lot of stores that you go to that have real character. I just like this stuff. But then I came to understand it's more about its culture. If I like something, I feel like I need to come to understand its whole history. Otherwise, if you just like something for its appearance, once the freshness of it passes, there's nothing. Xiao Xiao draws inspiration from Japanese stores that she's visited. The first time I went to Japan, I felt like, wow, it's just like the magazines. You know I really like collecting toys. I saw this store run by this 77-year-old grandpa. If you talk to him, it's like talking to a kid. His eyes lit up, and he'll talk about some monster, and he'll tell you about when it came out and how there are all these series. There are so few shops in China like this. In China, there are loads of these shops, like the ones you get on Shinlulu, where they sell those bears and those toys, and they think, oh, this toy is really expensive. Oh, it's so cool. But they won't tell you about how long it's been in their collection or any deeper cultural information. Maybe it's not even deep cultural information. Because that old Japanese man probably didn't really, like, go to a good college. He probably just really innocently likes the stuff. 
So in this field, in this space of toys, he's just really invested a lot emotionally. So he knows a lot. This kind of feeling is great. When I go to this type of store, I feel really moved. I took a photo with that old man and he gave me a free cup of coffee. He gave me such a warm feeling. I think this is so right. Shanghai is full of retail that feels kind of hollow. Xiao Xiao's store contrasts other hip and chic stores in Shanghai, obviously because of its style, no doubt. But it also stands out because it's built with love and intention. Xin Lulu, which she references here, is full of undeniably hip stores. But so many of them are like carbon copies of each other, and they have this very sterile feeling. The things that they sell in these stores are undeniably covetable. They're beautiful. There's like a consumerist cynicism behind them. There's no sense of history or, or, or care. Xiaoxiao's flower world is founded on love and knowledge. It has a goofy and cute sensibility. I do kind of imagine Xiaoxiao and her husband in their 70s or 80s behind the counter in the flower world, still selling their kitschy, punky wares and passing out free stickers to strangers. I hope that dream is true in a city where very little is sacred and everything is subject to change. Vintage clothing and Xiao Xiao's mission is like kind of reactionary. In a world that changes at such a nauseating pace, vintage fashion grounds a person in a stable, idealized sort of simulacrum of a bygone era. China over the past 50 or 60 years has just changed so fast. There haven't been any constants. For Xiao Xiao, who imports all of this stuff, it's not Chinese stuff. So it's a bygone era that never really existed in China. This, the shop's aesthetic, this childlike aesthetic, is like a callback to a lost and idealized childhood that overworked Chinese kids of this generation never really got to experience. Now, that may be part of the appeal, but Xiao Xiao's flower garden is also revolutionary in its mission. The shop not only signifies a revolution in individuality for hip young folks in Shanghai, it also represents something more radical. It's an invitation in a cold and harsh city to be innocent, vulnerable, to let your guard down. It's an invitation to pursue your passions rather than adhere to strict plans that may not even be your own. It's not just a ray of hope for people looking to find cool fashions, but it's a ray of hope for people who want to start their own cool businesses, for people who feel nervous about following that passion. Me and my husband have always thought about it like this. Do you really care about the stuff that you sell? Why did you just set up a shop like this? Maybe some customers can't differentiate, but when customers who like this stuff come in, they can immediately tell if you're just trying to catch the wind of this vintage trend or if you actually like this stuff. You've been listening to Strangers in China.
So to see pictures of Xiao Xiao's shop, you've gotta see the pictures, they're, they're incredible. Go to our brand spanking new website, strangersinchina.com. And from there you can link to Xiao Xiao's Instagram. Also on our website, you can check out all of our Strangers in China swag. Get a t-shirt for yourself or that Strangers fan in your life. Follow us on Facebook at Strangers in China. Follow us on Twitter at Stranger in China. You can email us at strangersinchinaofficial at gmail.com. If you like what you've just heard, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Leave us good reviews. I want to give a big thanks to Hannah for doing the voiceover in this episode. Uh, obviously, you can tell by her accent that Hannah is British. And unfortunately, she's leaving us here in Shanghai to go back to England. I just want to say I love you, Hannah, and I will miss you. Strangers in China is blah, 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 by me, Clay. Uh, Strangers in China is part of the Seneca Network powered by SubChina. I want to give a big thanks to Jason and Ali, per usual, uh, for doing all of my technical work. Love you, boys. And I also want to apologize to Jason and Ali for just being so uncommunicative during this annoying hard time for me. Anyway, sorry, guys. Strangers in China's theme song is by Caesus. Other music in this episode comes from, I don't know how to pronounce this, XXIUK, Dojex, Caesus, Lofi, Purple Cat, Logang, and Dovi. Now it's time for our Patreon supporter question of the episode. So, Jimmy Haber asks, what's the vaccination process been like in China? So as far as like the general feeling about getting vaccinated in China, I guess it's important to understand that basically over the past year, we've lived life pretty normally. So now that vaccines are available, there hasn't actually been like this huge explosion of demand for vaccines as there is in the United States where people are like, oh, I want to get vaccinated immediately. Get me in line. Um, I don't know. I guess there's sort of like this ambivalence from people that I've talked to. A lot of people are getting vaccinations. I read somewhere that uh, there are 14 million people getting vaccinated every day. But I would just say generally, there's not this great sense of relief or enthusiasm about getting vaccinated. Um, so, but as far as like personal experience, uh, I did get vaccinated. Um, I got this Sinovac vaccine, which is sort of like the standard one in here, here in China. It's not one of those fancy mRNA, uh, new vaccines. It uses like the dead virus or whatever. Um, so I, I, from what I understand, it's a little bit less effective than like the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, but it's still, it's still perfectly fine. As far as like, how did it go? I, it was, it was fairly smooth. You know, I went in and they gave me the vaccine. There were two doses that I had to get. So spaced out between three weeks, I got the vaccine. Uh, the only like side effect, I guess, was like, I did feel after the second one, like I had been punched in the arm really hard. I guess one thing that um, is worth mentioning is that I actually didn't have a choice in getting the vaccine. I was sort of commanded by the Education Bureau because I'm a teacher. I was commanded by the Education Bureau to go get vaccinated. 
um, which is great. I mean, I think it's great that teachers, A, get priority when it comes to getting vaccinated, but also B, like, have to get vaccinated. I think that that is, if you're a healthy adult, there's there's no reason that you shouldn't be getting vaccinated. But I'll, I'll just say this. The more interesting thing about uh, getting vaccinated is sort of like the weird kind of like cultural sides of things. This is sort of anecdotal, I guess I'll say this, but but there there, there have been some sort of like microaggressions, I guess you could say, towards foreigners. Every once in a while, you get people who like will step away from you in the elevator or like, you know, just kind of like cover their kids' mouths in front of you or as like a foreigner. Every once in a while, you'll get these like sort of sideways looks. There is sort of this like, jingoistic narrative that foreigners are responsible for any of the lingering COVID cases here in China. It's not something that I would say I I hear a lot about from like formal media, but it's definitely something that's sort of like folk knowledge of a certain kind of person who comes up and like talks to you about it. So I I was in this cab a few weeks ago and this guy was like perfectly friendly to me, really wanted to have a conversation with me. And so we were chatting for a bit and he just goes, you know, your country is having such a big problem with the virus. And I was like, uh-huh, yes, I know. Here we don't have a problem. The only problem that we have is that foreigners come in and they bring in the virus. And so I was like, <laughs> I was kind of like curious about this. I was like, well, how are the foreigners getting in? And he's like, I don't know, but people from your country like are sneaking into China and like bringing the virus with them. And I mean, if you know anything about like international travel right now, it's very, very difficult even just to get a flight to China, uh, let alone like be allowed to enter China. And so it's very, very unlikely that people from the United States are bringing the virus in. That's what the that's what the story has been like for me recently. Vaccinated, though. I am vaccinated. Very exciting.